So here's the story. Construction and sport are usually connected. People don't know it enough. It's not well advertised enough. And it's an area that really interests me. And I think it should interest other companies, no matter if it's a startup or you're a tier one construction company. I think the impact sport has on the industry is absolutely phenomenal. And I interviewed Rolls for Goals, Nicola and Mark, and they taught me about their passion for the sport and their passion for the construction industry and how they're connecting the two together. Hope you enjoy, guys. Bye now. Right, guys. Um, Thanks a lot for jumping on today's episode. Great to get you on. I know you guys are doing great work. So, Nicola, we start with you. Tell us about the origins of Rolls for Goals. Okay, so Rolls for Goals is a not-for-profit, people-first organisation, and we help businesses with opening up into their community to find potential workforce. We use sport as the vehicle to be able to sort of make connections with the individuals who already go to the club, but most importantly, the businesses, the people of the club, the players, and also any people who are looking to sort of find out about careers and we've got quite a big offer. Roles for Goals itself started in 2017 with experience days for what we called a junior press team and it was ultimately born out of a need for me as a project manager to encourage people into construction and project management and nine times out of ten at the time, the answer was, oh, no, I don't want to do the thing that is on The Apprentice. And so I had to sort of give at first a little bit of an explanation of what a project manager does. And then you realise that actually people think of construction and they've got a sort of a preconceived idea of it, or indeed that their parents have got this idea about what it might be. But in actual fact, if you look at the career I've had and many people like me, it's a brilliant career and it actually transcends any kind of economic issues going on because of the way infrastructure and construction typically will transcend that kind of a, you know, an economic problem. So I'm more talking there about your major works, asset works and, and infrastructure by government and things that have been agreed, but it certainly kept people going in particular during the COVID pandemic. So it's a massive industry with so many different opportunities and, but people don't know the wealth of those opportunities. So how can they think, oh, I'd like to do quantity surveying or I would like to do one of the trades. So that's really how it come about and why. Yes, how did I get involved with Nicola? I met Nicola about a year ago and um, I've always been a, in business, I've always been somebody that gets behind local community clubs and stuff like that. And obviously I've got a construction background and I'm very keen to understand why we're not very good at encouraging people into the construction background. So I've got real bad feedback for some reason. Yeah, you've a smart, you've bad feedback there at the moment, I'm getting it. And I did a little paper a while ago with Highways England and we worked out that in the top 100 companies or what people would want to work for, construction came in 97 and McDonald's was number 36, funny enough. Of all the companies that the young kids want to work for, construction came absolutely nowhere. And so I met Nicola and she was doing some stuff with sport 
and construction, which is something I've always felt it's a great icebreaker with construction and sport or business and sport in general. As I got involved with the local club in my area, Braintree Town, I got to know the manager very well, uh, Ryan Maxwell. And he told me a story that when he came along to, to Braintree, he only had three players. He had to then go and find these players. And I, I was, thought it was quite an interesting story how a club like Braintree would have no players every year and have to re, reinvent themselves. And it, it came down to the fact that these players are part-time, obviously. They go where the manager goes because that's where they're likely to get their part-time money. And it came very apparent to me that I've got a problem and the club's got a problem. The problem needs to keep players to establish themselves as a, as a team. And, and as a company, you know, a local business, we need to attract candidates and staff and, and construction's really poor at that. So there was a great opportunity to get involved and try and not reinvent, but add some value to what Nicola was doing by saying, look, let's find these local companies, bring them to the, and, and, and create some employment uh, for these local players. And that's how, it's, that's how it first initially started off. It'd be great if the local skip hire company was able to employ skip uh, HTV drivers that then played for Braintree and was able then to establish that player at the club um, more just than the loyalty of the manager, but to more to the loyalty of the club. When we were dealing in with that, it also became apparent of, about the, the amount of young players that were approaching the club um, that had been let go by bigger clubs in the academy system. And we we learned some stats along the way. One of them that was was quite interesting was that 93% of all revenue in UK football or English and Welsh football is shared between about 24 clubs which is the two that were promoted last, uh, demoted last year to the championship and two that are going to get demoted this year for their parachute payments and the 20 clubs that are still in the premiership. When you realise the volunteer network in the local and the, and the amateur clubs, you realise how, how hard it is for these guys to keep, keep going. And there was a little statement that was made uh, on a Panorama programme recently. You may have heard about the academy players and, it came about, and forgive me the, the date, I think it was 2006, I think Greg Dyke took over as the chairman of the FA, but his vision was to create a, an academy system to create as many English football players as they could to get to the semi-final of the Euros in 2020 and win the World Cup in 2022. We've gone a stage further, we got to the final Euro uh, 2020. By doing that, we've created a phenomenal amount of academy players, 20 times more than what the game's ever had in, in its previous 10 years. When you look at the stat of 92% of them lads that go through academy do not make it into professional football, you've got a real, another issue that's connected to football, but a solution as well for business. So one of the areas that we're working hard on is to try and find these players that drop out of academies and give them a plan B. But the plan is, is to try and find these players when they're into the academy. It's entering the academy and giving them a support mechanism to say, look, do you know what? Although you're told every day that you're going to be a professional footballer, the likelihood is that you're not and you need a plan B. And most of these kids that are leaving uh, the academies have got no form of real what I'd call education, as in they're going through the school network. But the schools have thought, well, you know, they're going to be a footballer and they themselves have thought they're going to be a footballer. And, and it, when it doesn't work out, some of these players have savage mental health issues. And you can see we had the young lad in Man City that, that committed suicide not but two months ago. And there was no real support network there. When we sat down, me and Nicola, we looked at the, the, the opportunities that we could bring all that together. 
you know, to be one voice. Not only will we go in into the club and support the player from the initial impact, but we know that we have to support that person 12 months beyond their leaving the club. But also there's a great opportunity to retrain some of these guys and get them into an area of business that we're very passionate about, which is construction. And the stats in construction and people talking in construction, I was at an event the other day saying it's going to be impossible to fill all the spaces that construction needs. Well, it is if you're, if you're throwing your net out so wide. But there's such a great amount of people that play sport in this country. Football is one of the, or in the UK, is phenomenally deep in the divisional state. You know? And just to give you a fact, we, we worked out that there was 1,100 clubs in Essex, just one county, 1,100 clubs and 4,500 teams playing out of Essex. Now, that's a lot of people that aren't going to get into professional sport. And there's a lot of people that potentially, if we advertise it correctly and we work with them correctly, could come into construction. Along the way, we've added a, a little support package working on with partners for mental health support. So the player's support package will, be, will give him a real opportunity to, to talk to somebody when they need to talk to someone. We've linked up with um, wealth management experts all the way down to debt management experts and mental health experts, people who are going through grievance. And we've also got uh, another partner with a, with a Speak Up app where, we, where the player can anonymously, well, not anonymously, it doesn't have to go to the club. There's a third party in between us where they can come and say, look, I've got a case perhaps of sexual harassment, racism, bullying in the workplace, and all this outlet and support for them players. Because anyone that you speak to in the game will tell you one thing, that when they're dropped as a player, that's the last they get heard of by that club. What I find unique and fantastic about this system is that you said earlier that you're looking for players coming in to professional football and catching them when they're early. But that alone offers a very offers a very interesting package because in the back of their head, it's just like, I can play football freely now. I'm not, I'm not thinking about putting bread on the table I know that if all else fails that I might have another opportunity lying behind me it reminds me of um, one of the famous investors in Silicon Valley Chris Saka he used to buy some of the companies off these startup founders because they literally had nothing they're living out of beans and toast and he said if I can give them three or four hundred thousand dollars to buy a bit of their company they don't have to worry about money for the next few years all they can do now is worry about the job and getting things done because you know, they can make rent, they can put food on the table. It just reminds me of that concept of small, but you're freeing up headspace before they even enter it. And if they don't enter it, well, it's a nice little back burner in case all else fails. The players or the clubs themselves, a bit like the education system, they're not 100% set up to deal with the mental health issues that come with what they're creating. And the experts and the partners as part of Roles for Goals, they are. Every club can do something a little bit different and they can use, you know, but there's no one organisation like us that's bringing everything together, you know, giving that person a complete support. Now, the worst scenario is going to happen is a local company, a local contractor is going to take on an apprentice, HGV driver, bricklayer, whatever, and that player is going to turn, his, going to turn itself on his head and he's going to leave a Braintree town and go and play for Liverpool. But you've supported that person throughout their whole stage. And I think that... You need the right people that, you know, it's horses for courses. You know, what are football clubs really good at? You know, they're really good at producing football players. And we're expecting them as a, as a nation now and, and, and that kind of woke kind of word, of, for a better word, of that society to say, well, no, you're responsible for everything now. You're responsible for the, the mental well, well-being of that person for the rest of their lives. Well, that's not feasible. 
But there's no skill set there. Um, there's very little skill set in schools to do with mental health, never mind in football clubs. But there's a lot of issues in sport that's come up that needs to be addressed. And I've always found, like construction, this is what I learned from construction, we were very good at, as individual companies going into schools and talking about construction, but collectively we weren't. So we'd never got the message across. And this is a bit like the, the, the sports club. They'll deal with this, they'll deal with the racial discrimination situations in, in cricket at the moment. But that's not the only issue that's in the cricket clubs. You know, there, there's bullying, there's sexual harassment, there's mental health issues when one of them cricket players gets dropped from the academy. There's people who are in debt, you know, just because they're working, playing for a sports club doesn't mean that they're not in debt. There's 60% of the, the country's in debt. You know, it, it's, it's, it's having a support mechanism that takes care of all of that for that person and through that journey. And Nicola's done really wonders on, on collecting some of them young people and, and, and putting them into careers already through some of the events that we've done into, into new careers. And, you know, we've got a couple of examples of, of that, haven't we? We have. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things to it. From a player's perspective, what I really don't want to happen is that a player gets dropped by somewhere and then they never want to play football again because they've just been completely dropped and it's too painful. You might find that actually they're picked up by another club and then they start going back on that upward trajectory. But even if not, they can still achieve so much at a lower level where people will follow them if they've known that they've been good somewhere. The other side to it is they're very inspirational. Okay, All sports people are very, very inspirational, irrespective of their, their standing and their successes. And the proof of that is because there are so many people at the moment who want to do sport, even though the sport on the curriculum has actually gone down. So picking people up and using careers events and all sorts of things like that to sort of just get a gauge of interests is a brilliant way of being able to sort of show them what business is about, whilst also introducing them to people that need certain roles that are in their area and, you know, can help actually form the idea of what they might want to do next in order to push something forward. And a classic example that I give was a young lady at one of the university technical colleges in Kent who loves maths. When I said to her, oh, you know, what are you interested in at a careers day? And she said, oh, well, I'm really good at maths. So I'm going to be an accountant. So I said to her, great, what kind of an accountant? Because people don't realise there's more than one type of accountancy. So uh, she just sort of said, oh, one with maths. Well, we took her on a junior press day and we had in the room quantity surveyors, accountants, litigation specialists, all different companies represented at a football match. She came out and she's now doing her quantity surveying degree. And I, I quite often bump into her dad at shows who's in construction. And his thing was, I really want her to go into construction. Well, she's done both. She's sort of achieved what she wants to do, which happens to be in construction and in quantity surveying. So hopefully that means that she'll be she'll be sorting her dad out, like, you know, for, for work and so on. That's just one of many success stories, really. Can we go back a second because the junior press day has popped up a small bit. Can we just maybe go a bit further and talk about that for people who have no idea of what the concept is, if we can start what the actual day entails? When I go to careers events and people really aren't too sure about what they're doing, there's, there's a bit about employability skills, which I hate using the word employability skills, but that's what most businesses call it. 
And what I do is I find out their interests. So we've done things at British Superbikes, we've done football clubs, rugby clubs, darts even. The actual sport itself doesn't really matter. It's great if you've got someone that's interested in a particular sport, but that can detract from the day, which is why grassroots sport is perfect. And what we do, we arrive there, say it's a three o'clock kickoff, we'll arrive there at midday and go through ways in which you can interact with businesses, questions that you might want to ask, because ultimately, at the end of the actual experience, each of the participants either writes a little report or gives in photos or, you know, anything that they want to do to capture what they've done on that day. And that goes into a publication and that publication becomes their proof, if you like, of what they've learned. And it's by a sponsored company. So the company has something to prove what was called corporate social responsibility. But also, most importantly, that evidence goes to the school as part of showing what that young person has done in terms of looking at the next steps in, you know, sort of school and, and business, because it's all ages, really, sort of from year six at primary school. The benefit of it is getting those young people actually talking to people who've potentially got jobs for them. It's a total byproduct if something all comes together and you find that actually that company has encouraged that person so much they've gone off to university to do that. And then at the end of it, they actually end up with a job. What's brilliant is just that confidence piece in those young people, because it's the one time I always say to the adults of the networking, I say, do you interview people? And they go, oh, yeah. And I said, well, that's why these young people have got to interview you, because you need to remember what it's like to be in a position of not knowing what someone's going to ask you. You know, and, and from that, it's a massive boost for companies. They have lots and lots of hits on their website. One of the companies that sponsored us actually ended up submitting the junior press team report with their tender for some work in um, London with TfL. It was commented upon that, you know, obviously they done a good tender, but it was commented upon that they'd actually got this unusual way of actually proving what it is that they'd done in terms of the community outreach. It sort of pulls everything together. It gives young people something to take with them to an interview to talk about, and it gives them a day where they really are treated like they are the VIPs and the press team that has the access all areas. And they have loads of fun doing it too. What I love about the concept and what, what stands out for me a small bit is that job seekers um, and, and, you know, young entrepreneurs, they spend a lot of their time, oh, what networking events can I go to? And most networking events are crap, let's be honest. It's, it's all people with the same mindset. They're all trying to win business. Um, the right people that you want to speak to and aren't usually there. But if you go to, I've been at so many sports games where, I was chatting to a guy in a pub or a lady sitting next to me at the QPR game. And like, you just learn so much about their careers. And you must realize CEOs, directors, all these people, they have lives at the weekend. All of them like to go to sport. They're not these people sitting on a, a big chair um, at home all day. They like to get out and about. And uh, I think sport is one of the main things all these people go to. And I think adding to that, um, companies, we we treat sports clubs always traditionally as, as a corporate entertainment scene we invest in a club 
we put money into something into our, you know because we think it's a great idea because our customers are going to like it and when we go through a few hard times what happens is we normally cut that from our budget which doesn't help the local community sports club and we look at it wrongly what we're trying to encourage here with rolls for gold also is like all the contractors out there Yes, you're going to have some corporate entertainment, but why don't you latch on to a local club? Let us help you latch on to a local facility and use that club to look at the resources that are available for you on the employment front. You know, rather than going there and say, look, well, we've sponsored this team, fantastic, this is who we are, you know, um, and we've had a great day out and, and a nice meal and, and our customers are happy. We've also employed X amount of people, being them fans, being them part-time participants, keeping people there's a lot of young people, as you know, that give up sport altogether because they're disillusioned by the fact that they're not going to be at the height they need to be. They can still play at a great standard. They can work for some great contractors. Every day we talk to contractors, oh, we can't get apprentices. We can't get this. We can't get that. But, you know, just take one club alone and look at the fan base. You know, how many Chelsea fans want to work for the local sponsor? How many TVs do they buy from Samsung? How many people do they want to work for because of the advertisement? You feel part of that. The fans feel part of that, that association with the sponsors. Yeah, have the good time. Don't get me wrong. Bring bring the client and, and, and enjoy yourself and get the business done. But but look at it as a greater opportunity. That's what we're trying to come across. You know, and I think there's there's such different levels of sponsorship with the player support package. You know, it could cost a a local company, say three, four hundred pounds a year to really put something in place for a, for a young lad who really needs that support throughout, throughout their, their time in the academy. Or you've got your sponsorship up to tens of hundreds of thousands of pounds, depending on what your budget is. But there is a budget for everybody. But the more importantly, there's a great opportunity to really dip into the, the, to the talent pool that's associated with that local, local club. And what are you trying to pursue moving forward? I know, Nicola, you mentioned to me that you'd like to get involved with the Gaelic Athletic Association, which is which is a something big part of my life for the last 20 odd years. And what would you like to achieve with uh, an amateur association like that? There are so many sports out there, football, rugby, cricket. They all become sort of the top three when people talk about sport, but there is a lot more. So with like the Gaelic associations and even basketball, basketball starting to come to this country, it's about showing people what is around them that they probably don't know is there. And a real sort of um, a really good thing about all these different sort of amateur associations, the sort of semi-professional and everything else is, let's face it, it's an affordable day out as well. It's a great way of being able to sort of get a passion for, you know, a, a sport anyway. And the amount of opportunities just by, like you say, sitting next to someone who could be, I mean, I, I've done it before. I was at um, one of the clubs the other week and I was sat next to someone and I kept thinking to myself, do you know what? I really know, I really know that face. I really know that face. But I, I wasn't imagining the, the sort of context of being with him in a, football stadium so therefore when I realized who it was it was like blimey you know and it was someone that was quite sort of famous in his day and was there supporting the team that actually he had in the past managed a long you know not a long time ago but a fair while ago and that's the amazing thing you could be you know in these different places meeting different people and ultimately as a people first organization what we're trying to do is just make sure that 
people are on the map. Sport is on the map. Local community pubs and facilities are there for people to use. An area I'm interested more, on, I suppose, on the football side, um, for obviously monetary reasons, the Premiership Champions League, it's, it's on um, a pedestal commercially. It's a bit of a false promise, really, to younger generation, because most people, as you said, 98 nearly 99% of people aren't going to make it but I, as I said earlier I'm a Queen's Park Rangers fan and I go to the championship games I think it's a fantastic league I think league one is well they're hard working people they play like 50 games a season you know week in week out very honest league and I just think that side of sport needs to be promoted a bit more because some of them games and you see fans from really small clubs and they're filling out the away end uh, standard isn't as high but they're as honest as they come and I'm feeling that we need to put them on a pedestal more in, in, in the football league rather than the premiership because it's more achievable. The, the stats there, it's coming through the, through the academies into the premiership first team, like a Phil Foden, is 0.01%. So that's just minuscule, the amount of people that, that make it into, into there. And, and, and as we spoke about earlier, the depth of the football league, if you like, all the way through the UK system the English and Welsh football system is is phenomenal and how you can really be still, I don't know, 15 divisions below the conference and you can still, in theory, get all the way through and into the football league and the dream's there. And the, and the standard of football at the moment in the lower leagues is absolutely fantastic. There's no any magical thought, you know, mistake that there's teams that have done well in the FA Cup this weekend, non-league clubs, because the player... Structure. There's so many good players that have been gone through academy systems now that haven't made it in the top level that are finding their way down lower and lower into different divisions. So our, our strength in depth in football is, is phenomenal and some great games to go and watch. My customers, for example, look forward to. I mean, I'm going to Braintree Chelmsford tonight. And Nicola, you're going there. It's going to be a fantastic occasion, you know. Part-time players, really good standard. And that that comes back to what I say about them being great role models, because when you have, referring back to the junior press team, classic example that those young people will ask is, how do you make it as a professional player? And then when they turn around, because Dartford FC is where we started, which is professional and they say well actually we love playing football we love putting the shirt on and we we just absolutely love that but actually it doesn't pay the bills so when you then hear that you know one of them's an electrician someone's in groundworks someone else is an accountant or a quantity surveyor all of a sudden you see that the replication of what the supporters are is actually on the pitch quite often in those clubs and it's that passion for sort of wearing that shirt and getting that game that really stands out. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I find the Football League so fascinating is that you have these players that, do you know, players in the championship, they, like, they'll have a short career like anyone else. They, they're not all going to fall into a, an easy punditry role with Sky. A lot of them are going to have to take on some sort of a career when they retire. Do you know, they're not paid millions at championship clubs and definitely not League One, League Two and etc. It's difficult to advertise it because it doesn't make the big bucks, but it's so much more achievable and so much more relatable. A lot of these smaller clubs, I even seen QPR, they're just over the road for me. Their players went out delivering for charity around COVID. And like the premiership players are so famous, they probably can't do that. When I've spoken to a few people about doing roles for goals at big clubs, I have said, you know, the thing is, 
that those big clubs, they don't need an attraction for people to throw money at them in a way and sponsor something because it does, as Mark alluded to earlier, it's very much about the corporate, you know, be it the corporate vision, the corporate sort of being seen at one of those premiership clubs. But actually your money goes far, far further at a lower division club. If we can all have a second or a third or, you know, in my case, a sort of, I've got lots and lots of teams, but I support them all. My main team is Charlton because that's my first, the first one and you never leave it. And How did you end up with Charlton actually? Was it just family? Because I was born in Greenwich. So we used to walk down from where we lived down to the valley. I've had a lot, a long life with Charlton in terms of sort of going down there as a little one and you know I used to go on the home and the away games I have actually been injured when there was football hooliganism and I also had my wedding day there so Ah. I love sport so much Mm. and I I love Charlton even though you know as I say it wouldn't be kind of I couldn't get to every game at Charlton but I did at one point even though I lived in Basingstoke and now it's about that's a fantastic time out going and seeing my club but actually the impact that I can have at different clubs is what really you know sort of inspires me as a person because we you know we might even find someone who ends up playing for Cholton or whatever and I love the fact that with sport I've got this sort of nice big encyclopedia of like clubs that I don't just well, I think there's a different type of fan what well, like Nicola you know Charlton you know there's a different type of rawness to the, than the premiership there's a film that's never been released actually so hopefully maybe you can talk to the, the chairman of Barnet Football Club maybe he's hearing me Tony you know they made a film of the last year called Underhill the last year Barnet in their had their ground and what was great about it they interviewed one of these fans and he said um, they said what was it like to really build a passion of this type of level of football. What's it all about? And he's saying it's a, it's a, it's a way of life. And he said, what do you mean by that? And he said, my brother asked me to be his best man. And I said, I couldn't because it was Telford away. He said, but I can come to the evening part of the wedding. And he said, well, what did you do? He goes, well, I went to the evening part of the wedding. And it just sums up the different types of passion than you get with your new traditional fans, you know, uh, and, and getting involved with lower league clubs and, and as you said, championship clubs and down and, and all that is is where the real football passion is, and and these that's where I believe the the working class people still are, and I think that's where the doors open for construction and other sectors to really find the people they need to fill their spaces because that that's that's where they are, you know, more more than the, as Roy Keane would say, the prawn sandwich brigade at, at Man United or Arsenal or Liverpool. I remember my dad, he's on about coming over next month and he's like, I don't have any interest in going to Stamford Bridge or uh, or the Emirates. Like, I, he goes, I want to go to Loftus Road. I, I want to be uh, on top of the players, more or less, like, you know, in the middle of a council estate. All, all that feeds true. And I, I know a lot of clubs as well, they're starting to rent out their premises, like for work days, a few hundred quid, you can get a kind of like a conference room and stuff like that. If you just want to go in a random day with your team. But again, all these kind of facilities and these amenities can really get into your psyche and, you know, other industries and construction for us, we can kind of tap into those amenities as well, you know, because uh, they're just really valuable and all these things add up, even if it is only an office in the valley that you can rent out for a day, but it still still means a lot, they allow you to do it. But 
if there's one thing you'd like to get across before we sign off, what would it be? There's a great opportunity for mixing great two great loves of mine and Nicola's lives, you know, construction and sport. There is a link there. There's there's a link to, you know, construction desperately needs the people that are involved in sport. The, the people within sport desperately need a support mechanism to give them that plan B, that second chance, you know, be able to pick them up early and 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 work with them beyond their time within that club. You know, we work together. We work together brilliantly as two organisations, construction and sport, in a corporate manner. You know, if we can work together a little bit clever, if we can get two or three people into the construction arena from football and they still play sport and they enjoy it and they become quantity surveyors or or HCV drivers, and then we've done our, our job. There's a passion here that's about helping people. Businesses themselves need that help to actually form a basis of working in their community. You know, it's not just about having an office or having a project nearby. It's about, you know, actually creating a little sustainable economy. So we really want to work with companies that want to show a new innovative way of being able to be in their community using the money that they would do for charity and everything else, being able to sort of offset that against their costs, but more importantly, doing right for individuals and their community. For sure. And for companies that might not know, or this might be brand new to them or never even thought of it, there's so much research done on how professional athletes transfer into the workplace because they're so used to, used to pushing the boundaries and going through that threshold that is actually transfers whether it's a sales role like a tough role that you really have to push through there's a lot of research done that a lot of these athletes they can move into that type of role because they're willing to to put in the graft and they're willing to be uncomfortable in uncomfortable situations and i think that that's not advertised enough is that there's very suitable roles and the stigma of being out in the cold in construction like there's plenty of other roles if that's not your cup of tea yeah, yeah, I famously say that as a project manager, I've never got my hands dirty. The construction also isn't just about the myth of muck and grime. You know, there's, you know, construction needs marketing jobs. It needs HR jobs. It needs finance people. Everyone wants to be uh, computer designers, which was quite funny, actually. Just one last thing. There, there's a college in Cambridge, I won't name them, but they, they would run a course with nearly 250 gaming apprentices. Um, there's, I don't think there's 250 gaming jobs in the whole of Europe. Uh, however, similar technology is BIM in construction. So all them kids who have got an interest in computers and gaming can transfer them skills over to something as simple as that when there's a massive shortage of BIM designers and engineers in construction. So it's just getting everyone together. Education streams, construction companies and, and sports clubs. And between that recipe and, and ingredients, hopefully we'll we'll come up with some some stars for the future or either football or sport or, or construction, hopefully. Well said. Guys, I'm going to leave it at that. I really enjoyed it. I think a lot of listeners will get value from it. So I can't thank you guys enough. I'm looking forward to following your journey and uh, I must get out to one of the games because uh, I'm a sports fanatic myself and uh, I'd love to come out. And anytime. I'd love to. Um, I, I love grassroots sport. Um, involved in the Gaelic Athletic Association it's 100% amateur so it's re- really up my street but uh, thanks so much for coming on thank you